You're listening to First Church Charlotte. Greetings, everyone. Pastor Nathan here. I hope you are enjoying your summer. I hope you are planning some fun things that you can do in spite of all of the drama that this year has brought us. It is, as always, an honor to bring the Word of the Lord to you. And I want to take a little while and talk to you about some subjects that for the past few months have been very close to my heart. And if you'll forgive me, um, perhaps some of this is for me, uh, things that I have repeated to myself um, as a personal way to meditate upon the faithfulness of God. So um, because this year has involved pretty much uh, month after month of what we have called social distancing, it has been uniquely hard for uh, people who love church. It's been uniquely hard for leaders in the church. It's been hard for you. It's been hard for me. So much about what we do and so much about the manner in which we have church is, dire is directly related to coming together and benefiting one another with the gift of our word. Like the Bible said that the word of the Lord is in your mouth. And we, so much of faith involves us giving one another uh, the, the benefit of our spoken faith. Uh, if you look at the New Testament church, they were notable in that they came together uh, to do spiritual things um, and they came together to do life. They came together to help one another and they came together to help the community in which they were placed. Um, this, this theme is repeated so much of what makes an apostolic church feel apostolic is uh, necessitated upon our ability to come together, to believe together, to worship together, and to give one another the benefit of our spoken faith. When this happens, it is, uh, it's almost as though there is a spiritual boost, a spiritual turbocharger <clears throat> uh, that comes into effect. And this multi multiplying effect is realized where one will put a thousand to flight. You know the, you know the saying, two will put 10,000 to flight. Wherever two or three are gathered together in my name, uh, there am I in the midst of them. Um, what, what is the Lord saying here? Um, we know he's everywhere. Uh, is he saying if there's not two or three of them that he isn't there? I, I, I don't think that's what he's saying. That would be in contradiction to uh, his own nature and his own word. He is everywhere. Why would the saying be and feel so true wherever two or three are together in my name, there I will be in the midst of him? Uh, I believe he's talking about <clears throat> our ability to perceive him, our ability to receive uh uh, experiences <clears throat> of his presence uh, in our midst. I know this, and this is just my personal testimony. I'm sure you feel the same way. Uh, if I can get together with some other people who love the Lord, who call upon the name of the Lord, who lift their hearts, lift their hands, lift their voices, it is much easier for me to perceive the presence of the Lord. So much of what the apostolic church does is dependent upon our ability to come together, our ability to pray together, to speak faith. So many of the ministries of uh, the New Testament church, so many of the gifts of the Spirit are directly related to our ability to be together, 
to speak one to another. So many of our practices, whether it is worship, uh, whether it is a baptism, whether it is a Bible study, uh, you, you, you get the theme here, whether it is a laying on of hands, whether or not it is encouraging one another, some of it, so, so much of it is dependent upon us coming together. And yet this year, we haven't been able to do that. Now, this is uniquely, uniquely designed to drive pastors and church leaders crazy because our, our, our whole life is involved in these habits, styles, uh, this manner of being uh, that is to be apostolic. And so uh, I have to remind myself a lot that the church is not fragile. It can feel fragile because it does not pretend, uh, depend upon a strength I can perceive. It depends on a strength that sometimes I cannot perceive. It doesn't depend on me being strong. It doesn't depend upon the church being strong. It doesn't depend upon the church bank accounts being strong. It depends upon the strength of Almighty God. And so the apostles had to learn this lesson in a, a challenging way. When they felt weak, they were often strong. In fact, I preached about this recently, the strength that God has invested in the church often reaches its perfection when we feel weak. So I am hoping and looking for God to do a great thing in the earth because uh, we feel weak. Um, if you haven't been able to worship with your brothers and sisters, <laughs> we feel weak. If you haven't been able to rejoice in the confidence and the fellowship of people coming together, it's easy to feel weak. It's natural to feel weak. But let's be reminded the church is not fragile. In fact, it is the opposite of fragile. Uh, of fragile. It is ordained. In other words, God has decided from the beginning that it would exist, and that means nothing can break it. And this promise, this spiritual reality is so well established that it is, it is shown to us, shown to us in the very history of the church where emperors and kings and even misguided religious authorities and even heresies uh, that arose in the church, all of these things sought to destroy, but it could not it could not destroy. The church <clears throat> is not fragile. I feel fragile. You feel fragile. The church is not fragile. I'm thankful for that today. The church is ordained. It will exist. Though the rest of the world perish, the church will exist. It is ordained. That is the opposite of fragile. And so we as believers struggle to really get this concept. Now, we don't, we, we don't, it's not that we don't get it intellectually. When I am weak, then he is strong. We get that intellectually. Where we don't give it is in the day-to-day -day grind of our struggles and our pains, because we go through things on a regular basis that make us doubt ourselves and doubt our ability to survive, spiritual survival. And we begin to let fear come in. And we begin to think this is the end of us, or maybe I won't make it this time. Or <laughs> you get the idea here. You could fill in your own, uh, your own book of testimonies. This is our experience of strife and struggle. Now, we can sing a song about how his strength is made perfect when my strength is gone. I love that song. We can preach messages about uh, he's at his best 
when all of our abilities are at their end. I, I preach that. Um, but that's not the same thing as waking up on a bad day when you lost your job, when you don't have your rent, when the bill collectors bothering you, when you just got a bad call from the doctor reviewing a test you just took while you're sitting in a waiting room waiting for a treatment. <clears throat> Um, that's different than shouting with the message and singing with the song. And this is the challenge. This is the the day-to-day living of the believer. Um, And we don't like it. And like Paul, we pray the Lord would remove it. But oftentimes he doesn't because it is a spiritual principle that what is at stake is not whether or not we can make it, but whether or not the manner in which we make it can be a testimony. Let me say that again. I think I need to hear it. Uh, Maybe you do too. The issue is not whether or not the church is going to make it. The issue is what manner of testimony will the church have? What manner of testimony will the believers exhibit and manifest when we make it? The church is going to make it. Uh, There's a, a wonderful little book um, it is written by uh, Megan uh, McArdle, and the name of the book is The Upside of Down, The Upside of Down. And she tells her own story about how she graduated with her uh, master's of business degree right after uh, 9-11, and no one was hiring. The economy went into a very difficult time, and uh, she could not, basically, uh, this career she had mapped out all of it fell apart. And she tells the story of how she had literally to to start blogging about business things because she couldn't get a job in the business world and how that turned into um, uh, writing gigs for big business uh, publications like The Economist. And, and uh, she developed a career. She built a career. But that's not the only time of failure that she felt she lived through. She, she lists all these many things that she failed at uh, failed at relationships, failed at love. Um, you get the idea. Now, when I was first exposed to this book, I thought it was going to be another kind of, you know, let's make lemonade out of lemons kind of book. And those are good books, and, uh, you know, we should read them. But uh, you kind of know what the book's going to say before it says it. And so sometimes you don't want to spend the time to read it because you know it's a, all right, guys, let's, you know, <laughs> put on our firm face and let's you know, have a stiff upper lip and let's not fall apart under pressure. And you get the idea. Uh, let's, let's just make lemonade out of lemons. Okay, we don't have to read the book. She brings out some things that's very interesting that, I, that really touched me. And the first one was this. When you interview people and you ask them about the things that change their life and you ask them things like, what is the best thing that ever happened to you? What are the things that made you are who you are today? They never, well, almost never, very rarely, do they give you the story of something that happened to them that was like a a blessing. Like the day I was accepted to the local college was the best thing that ever happened to me. That's not what people say. When I got a job with this business or that corporation, that's not what people say when they are using this language, trying to describe who they are and who they have become. It's much more common And this may come as a surprise, but it's much more common for them to tell you the story of something that nearly killed them and then to tell you 
that is the best thing that ever happened to me because it changed what I thought I knew about everything. It changed who I was willing to be. Because of that, I have become who I am today. Think about that. We are not formed by the blessings so much as we are formed by the battles. Now, this matters because this isn't just business advice. This is spiritual, spiritual advice. When people say it was the best thing that ever happened to me, oftentimes they're talking about uh, something they survived. They're talking about going through cancer. They're talking about uh, divorce. They're talking about painful relationship uh, uh, events. They're talking about even going to prison. Uh, These things created a crucible. And there is an upside to down things. There is an upside to down. We forget that, but we should not, because the whole of the Word of God is about how God brings the upside to experiences that we really only call bad. We refer to them in a negative way. Uh, Psychologists call this post-traumatic growth. Now, I love that term. That's going to be my new favorite term for a while. Um, I'm so familiar, and you're so familiar with hearing PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder, where after you go through a tough time, you can hardly survive. uh, You're marred by it, and you you limp for years afterwards because of that post-traumatic pain and suffering. Well, there's another kind of post-traumatic thing we need to know about, and that is post-traumatic growth. Okay, so life nearly killed you, but God's not done with you. Okay, a relationship fell apart, but it might be the best thing that ever happened to you. Okay, you didn't get the dream job. Or, more difficult, you lost the dream job. And now you wonder, is that it? How will I survive? Will I ever find happiness? The person you just knew you were going to spend the rest of your life with didn't work out. They broke your heart. They cheated on you. And now you are. Here you are just kind of living with the disorder of the trauma. But there's more to the story. There's also a possibility for post-traumatic growth where you discover through difficulty how you want to live, who you want to be, the kind of life that you want to pursue. This is uh, an important and a spiritual a spiritual reality. Um, if you look in the Word of the Lord, you <clears throat> you'll see this over and over. You won't just see people who uh, you know <laughs> graduate with their religious degree, uh, get ordained by the local religious constabulary, <laughs> and then go forth collecting uh, one laurel after uh, another, one victory after another. No, that's not that's not the story shown to us in the Scripture. The Scripture is full of a lot of post traumatic growth. I'm going to say that again for me. The scripture is full of a lot of post-traumatic growth. After the trauma, I was changed. After I made it through, I was stronger. I became something in God because of the crucible under which everything I thought I knew was broken. And all I was left with was a a foundation of the word of God. It might be that you're living through this right now. It might be that our churches are are going through this right now. Uh, The church is not just going to survive, but the church is one of the most 
uh, flexible and innovative institutions the world has ever known. The church is one of the most flexible and innovative institutions that the world has ever known. You can't hardly kill the church. In fact, no one's killed the church. <laughs> um, we adapt. Uh, we change. We learn how to use technology. The people who were uncertain in their faith are always going to be tempted to excuse away devotion. That includes me. The people who were weak uh, in their commitment are always going to be tempted by a broad way and a, uh, an easy walk. They're always going to struggle with a straight way and a narrow, walk, a narrow gate. That's nothing new. It's just the, 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 the details have changed, but that hasn't changed. But the people who have made up in their mind that they're going to give their life to God, they're going to serve the Lord, um, they're going to make it just fine. Yes, they may feel weak, but perfect divine strength can, can come through that weakness. Yes, the church is going to have to adapt, and we've done that. Um, I'm so thankful, and I want to say thank you again to our production team. Uh, they have worked so hard, and it's easy not to understand the work that goes in there. Let me just give you a little example. Um, production of, take, take video. Um, every time there's a video that we play or a video is made for a ministry, you know, we sit out there, we watch this, say, three-minute video, um, and we think, oh, yeah, that's awesome. Well, here's the reality. Uh, for every, <laughs> for every uh, 15 seconds uh, or 30 seconds of video, or let me say it this way, like for every minute of video, there's an hour to two hours of work. You never see that. The audience never watches that. Um, but that's a perfect example of how so much happens behind the scenes. So a Sunday happens and, and you're watching a stream uh, through technology and um, say something doesn't work. So when it's done, um, our production team, uh, which includes a lot of people, the people you see in the sound booth uh, or the production booth and the people you don't see in the video production booth, which is upstairs, they're, they're, they don't they don't just go out and you know have a they're done wash their hands no what went wrong was it a connection problem was it a software problem was it a server problem was it a router problem oh it's deeper than that is it is it is a problem with configuration is it a problem with conflicting standards from video card to software you get the idea it is so stinking complex and they know something went wrong. And for us watching, you know what it is? I can't see the stream. I'm mad. <laughs> well, m most of you guys aren't like that. Um, you get the idea. And here are these people who they don't, they don't get, they don't, you know, <laughs> nobody sees them. They're like the rest of the week, they're like reading things while, the, you know, you might be reading your sports page. They're reading a dumb technical manual. manual. They don't want to read that either, but they're trying to get as good an experience for the church. That's a perfect example of churches have to adapt. We have to learn. You know, does the, <laughs> what I had to learn how to do all this, all this video stuff I'm doing, I'm doing by myself. Literally, I have light set up. I have microphones set up. I have a camera set up. I have a little remote right here. And I, I get on here and I look and I click. You get the idea. And then I watch and I'm like, oh God, I look like a bozo. You get the idea. I never dreamt I was going to have to learn how to do that. I never dreamt that one of the most difficult jobs in our church would be production. 
You know, I always thought, you know, marriage counseling, that's what nearly kills you. <laughs> and that's true. <laughs> um, I never thought, we. the church has to innovate. The church has to adapt. And if you know people in our church who are a part of that, you need to be on their side. You need to say thank you to the hard work that they do. They are, they may get paid a little bit of money here or there, but I'm telling you, we, our church would not exist without volunteers. You understand what I'm saying? Um, it is people doing this for you because the church will survive. The church will innovate. We may have to learn. We we may change formats. We may change technology. We may worry about the lighting. We may try. You get the idea. Um, but the church is going to survive. There is an upside to down things. And so I, I'm interested to see how the church will use all the things we've learned in the years to come to be more effective, to be more anointed, to be more innovative, to bring about uh, the demonstration, the manifestation, and the commission of God's kingdom here, here on earth. We are forced by circumstances to be creative. But that's not necessarily a bad thing because remember this, and this is important, Change that, that, that makes a difference is never brought about by comfortable people. The next best thing that really strikes home is not brought about by uh, comfortable people. This country that we celebrated last week was not found and formed by comfortable people. Uh, the, the lords and ladies stayed in the old world, and the the poor and the middle class, probably more middle class than poor because you had to purchase your passage uh, to the new world. But they came here ready to work. They had to learn new ways of doing everything. Whether And ultimately, we, we, we created all kind of new, new ways. And there's something in the American psyche and culture that we innovate, we do things, we try things. Um, that does not happen by people that are comfortable. It's always people that are hungry. So I want to encourage you to be spiritually hungry. I want to encourage you to believe that we can find a way to demonstrate the kingdom of God, to, to communicate the word of God, and to make a difference in this generation. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I'm praying for your help, your anointing, your favor. Lord, we want, we want as, a, as a people, as a church, we want to be effective in uh, the commission that you have given us. Uh, we want to be others-focused. Uh, we don't want to be a self-centered church that's primarily interested in serving our own needs. Lord, we want to be hungry to see beyond the walls of the church. We want to be active in, in, in ministry innovation. We want to be active in trying things. We're not afraid to fail. We're not afraid to uh, be criticized. We want to be a part of the cutting edge of revival, on the cutting edge, not you know, coming 10 years late to a party and doing something only after some other organization has shown it worked. God, we want to be so hungry for your kingdom, your priorities, your call, that we are able to see beyond the feelings of our weakness and see how you can use that context of the sense where we're weak to motivate us to see with fresh eyes, to try new things, new paths, new systems, and do better than we've ever done and please you more than we've ever pleased you. Even while we are true to our calling, even while we're true to our doctrine, we wanna be able 
to make a difference. So don't let us feel as though the church has fallen apart. Don't let us think that the difficulty of the moment is greater than the resiliency of the church. That is not the case. The gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. Nothing's going to destroy the church. And we shall make it according to your great power and your great promise. In Jesus' name, amen. We love you. God bless you. Have a great week. We will see you Sunday. We're still having two services. Um, I wanted you to know that in neither service is the crowd so great where you have to be within six feet of anybody else. Um, uh, people wear masks. There might be a person here or there too who doesn't. I mean, we're not the police. We can't arrest people. <laughs> but for the, the for the most part, um, um, the vast majority of people are wearing masks. You even so, having wore a mask, you can uh, you can stay six feet or more away from people if you would choose. Also, I remember our seats don't have hard surfaces on them. Um, so you don't have to worry about sitting in a chair. That's all a cloth, cloth service. It's not something you need to worry about being a trance uh, to transfer anything. Uh, we've got UV lights installed in our ductwork, which are effective, uh, killing 99.9% of uh, airborne um, uh, viruses and the like. Um, we're doing everything we can. Um, we aren't we aren't laying hands on each other. Uh, we are waving at each other from a distance, and we're praying one for another at a distance. But you can come and uh, be very safe. And uh, we miss you. We love you. Have a great week. God bless you. Thank you for listening to First Church Charlotte. If this podcast has blessed you, please rate it with four or five stars. By doing so, you will help others find our free podcast and bless them. If you're in the Charlotte, North Carolina area, come worship with us at 4929 North Sharon Amity Road. For information about service times, church ministries, and so much more, visit us online at firstchurchclt.com. If you would like to help support our efforts, please text GIVE to 704-445-5353. We pray God's richest blessings to you. Come worship with us.